Hello, Jules. Hello, my love. What's going on? Lots of change. Hello, listeners slash watchers. Watchers? <laughs> Viewers? Watchers? <laughs> good word. Watchers sounds a little bit pervy. Yeah, I don't like it. No. Anyway, hi, wonderful folks at home, wherever you are and however you are engaging with us. Welcome back to the How to Die Happy podcast. And as I said, there has been a lot of change mm-hmm. because as some of our audience may have noticed, we've we've stopped doing these little int- introductions, primarily because we looked at the analytics of the show, which told us that people were struggling to listen to anything over an hour and a half. So, and we fully appreciate that your time and energy mm-hmm. are super important. So we're trying desperately hard to keep these conversations and these shows shorter it is a challenge well it is because we're trying to talk about life love death happiness the universe uh, and provide stories and practical utilities around all of that and it is Mm -hmm. tough to try and keep that under a certain time so we have really great guests and i just want to talk to them yeah so do i and they just want to talk to Mm -hmm. us so all that said thank you for your patience and please do bear with us and again all that said we only have an introduction to this particular episode because why? Because in Bali, it is Niepi, which is a day of silence across the entire island. And it's one of the the biggest festivals in the Balinese Hindu calendar. It's the biggest festival. Yeah. yeah. And um, we observe a full day of silence and there's no internet. And for a lot of the villages, they don't even have um, electricity. Yeah, so with all that in mind, we're not even sure whether or not we'll have internet or electricity. So uh, trying to record our next interview, which was with the incredible John Butler, Mm -hmm. transpired to be immensely difficult. So that's it. So we're going to skip a week. Uh, But, you know, we haven't ended it. Uh, We're not dead yet. Uh, And if we were dead, just bear in mind, we would have died happily. Should we do a, a precy to uh, to Kartika's interview since we're here? Well, yeah, we had a really wonderful talk with Kartika, who was in episode, um, series one, episode five. Correct. Yep. And um, I obviously didn't get to meet her then, so it was really lovely to have a good chat with her. And um, what did we talk to her about? Well, Kartika is a, an integrative hypnotherapist. Uh, particularly in this episode, we we focused on relationships. Uh, which is a really fun episode, it was, isn't yeah. it? Uh, notwithstanding the fact that Kartika is incredibly easy to, to talk to, but obviously we're in a relationship. Are we? Oh, yeah. Apparently. Yeah. So it was quite fun to occasionally reference our own arrangements. <laughs> uh, but you're going to love this episode. This In this we talk about divorce rates, we talk about the top reasons why relationships fail, mm-hmm. And all along the trail, uh, we discuss how you might try to avoid some of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Hope you like it as much as we do. Let's uh, listen to Kartika. And or watch Kartika. Yeah. Don't you want to die happy With a smile on your face Wake up a laughing Because <laughs> you're free of all the things that would hold you from your ocean view. Life's a landscape. Why don't you bathe in your way? Hey, 
Hey, Kartika. Hello. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Is Kartika our first revisiting guest from season one? Our second revisiting <gasps> guest. We had Chris Plough oh. twice. Oh, he came twice in the first season. Ah, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So welcome back. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. What's been happening? A lot. A lot. Time is moving so fast. Mm. Changes are happening all the time. Yes, that was a different version from, I think, all of us when we first met. Yeah, it was a different version of the podcast as well. That too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we had a lot less equipment. And we weren't doing video. That's Yeah, see, it changes. (laughs) Well, I like to say that change is the one one constant in the universe, so. And we should welcome that. Well, welcome back anyway. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I was going to say Kartika Alexandra in the house, but we're actually in your office. Yeah, it's also you guys' house. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Very kind of you to say. Well, Kartika, we thought today we would talk about relationships. Exciting. Now, I I would like to praise you that with, it's not that we're having any relationship problems and we figured we'd just try and get a free free therapy session. (laughs) I think. Am I right? Yeah, we're good? Yeah, we're good. All good? (laughs) Cool. And I will do my best not to bring up anything as I ask questions and, you know, give examples. Well, feel free. That's that's one of the nice dynamics, I think, of, of Jules being the co-host on the show now. Because we can, we do, you know, we still we, we still share life. Yeah. I still wear my hat on my sleeve. And I usually tend to check with Jules now in advance of the episode. Do you mind if I say this? Or do you mind if I say that? Because, you know, I just say anything. Um, you actually would, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But it's good. So, yeah. Well, so we're going to talk about relationships. Now, the first thing we thought we'd do, we would kick off um, discussing divorce Mm. just for a quick um, moment or so, because we did some research, didn't Mm. we? Just as a a litmus test on what's happening in the world. And you've got some facts and figures, haven't you? I do. Um, So according to a British law firm, there was a 122% increase in divorce inquiries mm. between July and October in 2020. <laughs> and then some country statistics, 50% of marriages in the US end in divorce, 42% in the UK, 87% in Luxembourg. It's not going well in Luxembourg. <laughs> 65% in Spain and 18% in Malaysia. Like, Why is this? I mean... It's big. It is. Do you have any stats about Finland, Norway? No, actually, mm. we don't. Why? Why do you ask? That's quite interesting because there's a there's a different discussion going around about masculine, feminine, equality, and how this deeply impacts the way and how we feel fulfilled in our relationships. And, you know, Norway and these kind of countries, they're very much about equality in every single way. And so there's different reasons that are being explained for those who are in Finland, Norway, versus those who are in places like the U.S. Um, and in Asia, of course, you know, like in India and places like that. There's uh, different cultural variables. That's a fair point. We didn't get older, that, did we? I suppose also, <coughs> excuse me, if you think about it, that was when? Middle of 2020? Yeah. COVID. Yeah, yes. so this was lockdown, right? Totally. Did they have lockdown in Luxembourg? <laughs> <laughs> small little place <laughs> i reckon it was like a serious lockdown in luxembourg oh i feel for you guys that's tough for people though isn't it you know you're suddenly spending all day yes. every day with your partner yes i well you must have you spoke have you dealt with anybody talk wanting to talk about that absolutely Ooh, tell us some you know, stories. in the beginning of covid um the work that we do as hypnotherapists here at maja 
our work increased. I mean, the way I saw it, I went from about one to two months wait list to four to five months wait list. And a lot of this had to do with the elements that were brought up. Of course, projecting in some extent towards a partner because we're stuck together, mm. but it had to do with their elements that they couldn't handle now that they can't go out and handle their tendencies in other ways, like socially with friends or drinking. And so the dynamic got quite unhealthy, you know, as they didn't have the tools to work with their partner day in and day out. Never mind those who were already in quite unhealthy and to the extreme of toxic and abusive relationships. Mm. And it got to the... been really hard. Yes, it was. The amount of anxiety, everything. And of course, if you don't have the tools to deal with it, we generally will release it to our environment, our partners, children, animals, unconsciously or consciously. You know, it happened. Yeah, (laughs) that too. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and so that really did go up quite a lot. Mm. And they always came back to that element. Those who were alone, though, also felt the increase, but definitely I saw way more people who were in a relationship. Mm, that's interesting because I didn't, uh, I suppose it's the nature, perhaps it's a cultural thing again, but it's the nature of uh, of people who do have relationship problems or personal problems. If they're not going to discuss them openly anyway, then they're yeah. certainly not going to discuss the fact that it, everyone went crazy during during COVID. Right. So I, don't, I, I didn't really, I didn't see... People talking or hear people talking so much about how they wanted to strangle their husbands or wives or partners. It was more actually the single people who I know. Mm. Actually, a lot in London. Quite a few of my friends really suffered in London because they they had a a serious lockdown there. They couldn't go anywhere. And London is a, well, you know, it's quite a a lonely place anyway, despite it being full of people. Yes, and so, yeah, a lot of my, well, my friends suffered from some mental health issues there yeah. as a result. New York, London, these major cities were definitely patterned. We saw patterns among the team. Of course, heightened depression, you know, um, feeling stifled, which mm. brought up memories from the past that hadn't been processed, you know, and it can't have no control to get out. Mm. No form of connection that they would rely on, you know, and we're quite, as we know, social creatures. Um, and there's only so much you can do through the TV or the computer screen. Yeah. 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 You kind of want, you want them in front of you, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And so it brought up loneliness, all kinds of levels and desires and what they wanted to experience. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it was very overwhelming for most people. I can imagine. Mm. I wonder, so on the one hand, obviously it was bad for all of these relationships, but on on the other hand, was it good? Did Mm. it actually, Mm. did a load of, pressure cookers pop mm. and people finally say oh i need to list all the things i hate about you mm-hmm. did that actually then air a lot of mm-hmm. uh truths yeah mm-hmm. so you can then deal with it and yeah, yeah like finally wow hang on a minute we've been married 20 years and you've never said that well i've never had to stay in a house this long <laughs> with you you bastard you know you can imagine that yeah of. so talks know. had to be had right mm. i do i can't i wish i had looked at my notes but um there were several people i know who did get divorced after this because they realized actually we worked so well because we did not need to stay together all the time mm-hmm. i had my life you had your life and now we're here and we're stuck and actually turns out we don't like each other yeah we don't like each other enough to be in this dynamic and what is life about you know if this happens again and so let's just go our own ways yeah. so there's quite a bit of that realizations mm-hmm. that this is not the person i actually would like to be with and now that there is a chance for me to feel that and see that and deal with it i don't think it's going to work by that rationale, yeah. it was freeing for some people. Yeah, of yeah. course, it's quite confronting. You know, yeah. you have your whole system set up and you don't know. 
you don't know how long COVID is going to go for. And then now it's a whole life change. Mm. I think the ones that had it the hardest were the children because yeah. they're not the ones who have the capacity to cope or have the skills maybe or the outlet to get out. Mm-hmm. So if mom is feeling uncomfortable, father's feeling uncomfortable and the dynamic is unhealthy, that was the priority actually. Mm. Parents who had children because if that dynamic is unhealthy, it will. They knew that was going mm-hmm. to affect the, the family. Yeah, of course. And that's good. That's very, at least that's conscious of them in that yeah. regard. Mm. Yeah. Well, we didn't do too badly, did we? Yeah, but we, mm. we kind of got together not that long before covid so yeah. we've kind of only ever really known known each other 24 7 <laughs> yeah that's, that's true, amazing actually. yeah um, I, we were lucky like that and 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 of course we were in bali let's say yeah yeah you know, we've it, been in the bubble we've been in the bubble granted there have been um some mandates here but it, as as we all know it's not been anywhere near as severe yeah. and, and certainly in well, we were in Sano mm-hmm. in the house on the beach. A big house, big garden. We had space. Yeah. You know. Amazing. Nobody was policing the beach. But it was also honeymoon period. Yeah. So. That <laughs> truth. But then we, I, I still think we've done all right. We actually, we went to live in Turkey for six months, of course. I think I saw that on your Instagram. That's yeah. so wonderful. During yeah. COVID? Yeah. yeah, we, yeah wanted, we wanted some snow and some we just had this dream about wearing jumpers and cold weather and socks and and log fires oh my god you know like most people would go on holiday but we moved (laughs) that's great with hindsight we should have just gone on holiday because we did (laughs) literally give away a load of stuff and now you're needing (laughs) now we're back (laughs) pack up fly to turkey spend a few months there realize we didn't want to live in turkey and then we came back (laughs) that's amazing yeah but turkey was different turkey was uh turkey tested me a little bit i think yeah, I think military it did. police were a bit grumpy about no masks and stuff like that. Yeah, so. but it didn't last long, did it? No. Mm. So I, I suppose I'm grateful for that because we were quite lucky, but uh, mm. but obviously a lot of people were uh, less so. But we also did some more research, didn't we, into some of the reasons. Is that mm. right? Some of the reasons yeah. why relationships fail. Mm-hmm. There's some common oh. reasons. I got five. So um, number one is withdrawing during arguments. Number two is not being on the same page with like life decisions, the big mm. stuff. Uh, number three, holding your partner to unrealistic standards. Mm. Number four, afraid of being alone. So staying despite the issues in the relationship. And number five was relying on body language to convey your feelings. Mm. So they kind of came up, I think it was the American Psychological Association published that as like the top top five. Yeah, the main mm. reason. Now, before we dive into them, I meant to ask you, can you hear us okay? Absolutely. Even over these two loud shirts? <laughs> <laughs> I see and hear you even better. <laughs> you have been dying to say I, that. <laughs> I, I, w- I actually had that joke in the car. I formulated it on the way here. <coughs> Sorry. Can I take it off now? I'm really hot. <laughs> you can take it off now. Uh, and then let's dive into these, these, these reasons for falling out. What was the first one? Withdrawing during mm. arguments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, is that internalization? Yes and yes, actually. But it can also be led by so many different reasons. Generally speaking, though, when someone is withdrawing... We have to see if this is a pattern that they've had their whole life. Usually that will come from something that they've imprinted by parents or culture. Like Indonesia, we don't really, some parts of Indonesia, you don't speak back, you don't express, you just submit. 
And so that can be considered withdrawing. So there's cultural elements to it. But generally, if you look at something that they've done their whole life, this will be something from childhood or culture or, or society. But people will also, also withdraw if they're in a very highly stressed um, period of their life. You know, you don't have a lot of energy. So when someone comes in with that kind of issue and they're finding that they can't be in a relationship because they can't even communicate, we have to see if this is a period of burnout, perhaps, or some major loss or something. And if that's the case, we're not looking at their main communication style. This is something that's happening only right now. But if it's a long something they've done all their relationships, you know, and they have blocks in their throats and all these kinds of things, then we're looking at a, something that's fundamentally been the way they tendency to be a communication pattern for their whole life. Mm. And of course, as I think you know already, if we cannot communicate, there is no vulnerability, intimacy, connection, and depth. Yeah. And ultimately, that will fizzle out if we can't maintain that depth with a communication. It's kind of the essence, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder, how is, do you find it difficult to, to draw that out of some people? That is to say, to, to, to get them to realize that actually, yeah, this is a lifelong issue. It's not mm. just a this person issue. Mm -hmm. You know, who's the common denominator in, in mm -hmm. the, does the problem come out? Is mm -hmm. it, is, do, you have, do you have to dig deep for that one or do people, no. own people owning up? They own up. Um, it's, of, of course, when a dynamic where they're looking at me to ask them the question. So they're much more open. But even those who are a bit resistant, when you ask a question in <laughs> communication, here you go, when you ask it in a certain way and it's inviting, people will want to open up. I, I still have the fundamental belief because from the work I do, that we do want to release, we do want to let go. And so when there's an invitation and it's set up in the right way, the conditions are there, we will do it. Mm. So it's also the job of the ther therapist or hypnotherapist to invite that conversation. Many times we can't say it's their like responsibility or fault or tendency to have caused this problem, but it's already there. And so one of the ways to do it is to bring it more to the surface by asking indirect questions. And when it's I say with my students and my team here, we're like, when it's ripe, then you ask the question. If you ask it too soon, no, no, mm. not me. It's, it's just this person. He's too forceful or something. Right. So it's important to really work with that carefully because defense mechanisms can come up. All kinds of things can come up. Mm. But generally speaking, when you're in that position, and first of all, you're seeing a hypnotherapist, most people see us only at last resort. They're like, oh, God, <laughs> I have to open up my subconscious, unconscious. It's time to admit. Yeah. Then, yeah, we're going to be able to work with something. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I actually, I asked you the other day, didn't I? I, I asked you what, how we were doing and yeah. what, um, what we were, what I was perhaps what I was not doing. Yeah, it's important to have those check-ins, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. This is like... Definitely. totally new to me, you see, all of this stuff. You can re obviously remember my story. This is my first proper relationship. I say proper relationship. That's uh, that's an, an unfair thing to say about my previous partners, but, but this is um, my first... Martin version 2.0's first proper mm. relationship. Mm. So, yeah. How's it going? I'm enjoying myself. What about you? <laughs> it's great. Cool. Should we go through this Keep list and on see going. what I'm I'm listening. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if any of these other things affect us. <laughs> um, what was the next one? Um, not being on the same page with mm -hmm. life decisions. This is... Uh, mm. I'm being I'm being biased. This is not a this is totally anecdotal, but this is one of the biggest issues I see in most relationships is that the big conversations are not had. It's something that fits right now. It feels good. But if we are really going to talk about what we want in our relationship and in our life, 
children, what religion is gonna we're gonna have with the family, financial, not being on the same page is exactly what I see could be if we had talked about that. That can be avoided for all the suffering and the arguments and the fights and ultimately divorce. Mm. So far, out of my friends that I know quite well and many of my clients, it is this discussion, this discussion to get on the same page that I feel would have aligned the values, the integrity, everything so that you can create that conscious relationship. Mm. But it's incredible because we don't want to face that since if we are not on the same page, we may not stay together. Mm. So let's just look the other way. Yeah. And here is an avoidance of seeing truth, working with it, facing it. This is, I believe, fundamentally a human condition. We just don't want to look at it, you know, it's painful. So we don't look at it and we'll deal with it later. But these things, to have a conscious relationship, we must actually, it's a requirement to do. Yeah, I saw a post on that recently, actually. Oh. It said, um, love isn't enough. Yeah. So yeah. love isn't enough for a successful relationship. You've got to have the big discussions first. What are your values? What do you want from your future? How do you see your life financially? Like, absolutely, it's so important. I've got no problem with that, though. I, 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 I know there is a school of thinking that uh, it's a little bit scary for people if if a, a new partner says, what, "What's your position on having children? What's your position on buying a house? What's your position on that?" Um, but Perhaps it's an age thing, actually, come to think of it. We had quite a pragmatic conversation early doors because, as you wrongly identified this morning, I am nearly 50. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 46, Kartika. Okay. How, how old did you think he was? Well, no, I know how old he was, but is. But during a conversation, <laughs> I don't know how it slipped out, but I just said, what like, oh, well, I'm age? in my mid-30s and you're in your mid-50s, and it just kind of flowed off the top. Mid-50s. <laughs> Somebody told me the other day, you're, like, you're aging like a fine wine, Martin. <laughs> she says, I'm in my mid, my mid 50s. Um, oh, sorry. Same page. Same page. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but I think we had a lot of those conversations. I think uh, I can understand why people wouldn't. But then I, I do wonder, you know, we were talking about this the other day. We had a chap on the other, uh, he's on today's episode, actually, a chap called Josh Campbell. And he's a, he's a young chap. He's, he's mid 20s. He's a, so he's a millennials conscious dating coach. Mm which is quite a fascinating space mm -hmm. to be in. And I don't, know if you, I don't know if you find yourself talking to people in their 20s more than you do. Well, that's like a whole other world, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. When it comes to dating, because they're, they're all dating using these, these, yeah. these digital devices. Yeah. And the whole process, I mean, some of the things he was telling me, I'm going, oh, man, I'm old. Man, I'm definitely in my 50s. <laughs> um, because, because I couldn't quite understand. I, I do understand it, so I'm not mocking uh, people in, in that situation but for me it's alien that that, Absolutely. That, that that you have to go through that whole dating process using a screen and then you become content creators don't you you know it's all about getting the right angle and it's all about crafting the right profile and crafting the right responses and I know there are nightmarish stories of of predatory people using the same process you know the yeah. same sort of hook line and sinker messaging process yeah. So, God, I'm glad I'm not in my 20s dating. I've got to tell you, it's absolutely terrifying what's going on there. But, of course, that's, that, that process may well avoid some of these big questions, mm. I think. Well, yeah, and, but the big stuff becomes really important as you get older, doesn't it? You know, yeah. so I think sometimes in your 20s, you might not actually be quite as sure. And things change. You, we right. all change. And mm -hmm. you, you can grow and change together, but those big decisions might change again. Mm -hmm. But I think once you get to your kind of mid-30s, you're a bit more certain of what you do and don't want. So when you're dating, I think it's a bit more like 
it's I'm not giving up on this. This is a mm. this is a need and this is a want yeah. and this one I'm not moving from. Mm-hmm. Mm. But um, yeah, in all fairness, I think when you're 20, you're still exploring who you are, what you like, what you don't like. And of course, there's different types of these profiles. You know, if you have something, not that Tinder is bad, but if you have something like Tinder, it's less uh, precise than something like the pattern. The pattern has a dating component where you Doesn't can... It? Yeah, yeah. So you can see that. if you complex match or I think another one is extraordinary match, which means that you really could get along quite well. This brings in, you know, the astrology, I believe, numerology and different components of your characteristics, whereas Tinder is quite visually and um, based on the environment, which, by the way, on the psychology side and studies, they show that that's really the key element is you have to be within the certain radius, you know, for you to meet. Second of all, uh-huh. there has to be an actual point of contact. So the chances of me meeting someone in um, Lombok, I mean, are zero. <laughs> zero unless I go there and we have some chance to, to cross. Mm-hmm. So Tinder has set up itself based on like the findings of studies and of course on the symmetrical uh, elements of the face. These are all the conditions that usually we need to have a kind of attraction. Mm. Um, yeah, and so that's that's one way. But then you have some more detailed, precise uh, apps that will cut out all the trial and errors, you know, which of course you can lie on if you want. But um, yeah, they, those cut them out like the pattern. Mm. Yeah. I'm not advocating. I'm not being. <laughs> I'm not being sponsored by the pattern <laughs> or anything like that. You will be after the show. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone from the marketing department of the pattern <laughs> is listening, feel free to ask <laughs> us for Kartika's details. Um, yeah, the the pattern. Actually, we should explain what the pattern is because the yes. pattern is uh, an an app. Which I sometimes I'm. Okay, I haven't used it for a while, but when I was using it, I, I used to think. What is going on here? This is black magic because yeah. the, the stuff that the pattern knows is next level. And I think it takes a numerology, as you say, in yeah. astrology. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a different way of, of uh, garnering data from you and then garnering data from others to, um, to explain how you may well interact. That's yeah. about right, isn't it? Yeah. And this is actually quite fascinating. And I know this may be a little bit out there for some people, but there is an element that comes into relationships that um, for some people will say, hey, you are only going to get attracted to the same kinds of people until something changes fundamentally, like if you you know do some deep healing or inner work. But there's an element that you're born with a certain type of frequency. Astrology is one of the examples. Numerology is another one. There's so many types like this. And that gives you a certain type of, let's say, vibration. And I understand this is a bit out there, but that vibration will tend to be attracted to this vibration. And that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Just like molecules, you know, hydrogen and, and oxygen, two of them will be happy and make a little hydrogen, I mean, water molecule. So there's this kind of element of the fractal elements of relationships and dynamics and attraction and balancing, because ultimately we are looking for balance. And that we can to uh, not in strict science, but in alternative ways, watch and see what those patterns are based on these energies. And so there is a tendency and a literal pattern for people to say, I always tend to pick this kind of person, you know, or that's the kind of type I like. Um, of course, if usually even in the work we do here, we see quite a lot. That's my pattern. We heal something in the childhood or the first boyfriend, the first heartbreak that they have forgotten about completely Mm. they live 20 years and they go and um, properly grieve that heartbreak changes their pattern and their desires because it changes their vibration so there are ways we could see if this person that's why in china chinese and indian they also look at these things before Mm. they have arranged marriages 
to see what's the suitability and compatibility. So the pattern itself, that the app itself, is doing something that you know Indians and Chinese and these traditions have been doing for so long. It's very clever. I don't, I don't know where it was designed, but it is very clever. Maybe we should check our uh, suitability on the pattern. Yeah, we haven't Let's done do that. It. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what if it Whatever it is, it is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, do, you, do you have to change the if you've ch- if you've changed, you have to change your settings in a pattern. I can't remember. Or is it? Is this your name and your birth date? Wowzers, trousers. Yeah. Okay. Well, the numbers don't lie. If it says um, I've got to leave, then I'm afraid I've got to go. Okay. Okay. It's been real. <laughs> What's next on the? Uh, I'm not ready for that yet. So I'd love to see more of you both. Yeah, and well, maybe next time. Next time we meet for another session, we'll uh, we'll talk about our pattern. Yeah, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. Findings. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Um, but also, just remember, everything is impermanent. What's next on the list, my love? <laughs> so romantic. <laughs> um, holding your partner to unrealistic standards. Oh yeah, uh, like That's being a romantic. Big one. <laughs> I don't think that's unrealistic. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry, Martin, I agree with her. <laughs> it's okay. I, 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 I bow to this. Yeah, that's a great one, right? Mm. A lot of the, um, I call them fantasies or dreams that we have. And when we uphold someone to that standard is because of the unprocessed trauma that we've had in the past. Trauma being small or big T trauma. We create these scenes and these ideas um, when we're in those states and we latch onto them as a coping mechanism. Now, I know a lot of people may be upset with what I'm saying, but we have this unrealistic perspective of the world and ourselves. And of course, to face breaking that reality means we have to face the pain we have in process, and that's more painful. So we stay with that and we try to fit into this um, illusion that we've created. Um, yeah, and that would be definitely along the lines. So as we, again, do the inner work or do the trauma release or whatever it is, we tend to be more in touch with reality as it is, and there's no unrealistic expectation. That being said, of course, we also have to learn the conscious knowledge, you know, that someone who's grown up in Asia, again, back to culture, they have different tendencies and in, in communication than a Russian, you know, who are very direct, mm. and Indonesians are very passive. So we have those things. But yeah, that's really amazing to hear that. I I, um, I actually under- I've felt that before many times. Mm. Mm. I suppose that's where it comes in the communication again and communicating your needs yeah. and knowing each other's needs and, and discussing what you both want. And yeah. And if it's something that's unattainable, then that, that's, that's where the issue is. But you might be able to compromise and help each other find those needs to find the balance. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And I'll, I'll just throw in the, uh, the Buddhist perspective and that is just don't have any expectations of anything. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, I I suppose I, I was a tram smash of a partner in my 20s and 30s. I was a, a, a tornado uh, and not the sort of worst partner any woman could could want. Um, although they did want me, unfortunately, because as we, I think we've discussed before, I was a narcissistic, Machiavellian, sneaky um, sort of, charmer i suppose um because i just wanted intimacy but mm. I, I it was a it was a perverse version of intimacy actually i just wanted to cuddle i was going about it all the wrong way but i remember often being selected by women because i was a uh, a bad lad mm. or a, what's the other expression mm-hmm. you know the kind of a um that kind of naughty guy 
They liked that. Yeah, bad boy. Bad boy, that's the expression. Um, they liked that until such time as we were in some sort of a relationship. And then, of course, they didn't like that. And then they would try to change me. Mm. And I, I had a number of relationships like this where I remember even having the conversation, you know, because I t- tend to do that. Um, and and they, they a couple of these women were staying with me in the hope that they could change me, convert me into... Uh, you know, a nicer person. Mold you into the perfect partner. Exactly. And, of course, they couldn't, unfortunately. So I I apologize profusely to all of you for the actions of Martin version 1.0. But ultimately, I had to do that work, didn't I? Mm. But this is something I was talking to Josh the other day about. It's, we must accept co-responsibility in these Absolutely. in these arrangements mm-hmm. as well. So yes, just, yeah. Martin was Martin, and he was a tram smash, and uh, it should have come with a some sort of a public health warning. Sometimes did, in fact, but actually that was attractive yeah. to some people. But at the same time, you know, the 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 other person in that relationship who is do, trying to do the changing, I think, needs to accept responsibility. You, ca- you shouldn't want to do that. Well, and also, why? What, what's going on with their pattern that they want to go for the bad boy or mm. the, the narcissist tendencies? It does pull in a certain type of person. One hundred percent. Yeah. So this is quite a hot topic, right? I mean, especially last year, the narcissist toxic, the narcissist gaslighting. It's not that it's not important, but it's definitely become very big right now. Everyone's using those words and maybe doing it too much, actually, Mm -hmm. and applying that in so many ways. But that being said, um, again, it may upset some people, but uh, when someone comes to me and they say there, very rarely does someone come to do inner healing work as a full-blown narcissist. Those are not the people who think they need help. But when those people come and they have the awareness, that's one thing. But the women or the men who have been in a toxic relationship that they consider narcissistic, it is generally more than not the case that we have to look at what has uh, even allowed you to be attracted to this. Because if you have the fundamental understanding of what's healthy and unhealthy, or you know what feels good as a woman or as a man, masculine, feminine, whichever way you want to go with it, you can identify that this is not making me feel good. Anxiety worry, nervousness, attachment. And so generally we have that awareness. Now, if you don't have that, usually we have to look at something in the past. Now, before everybody hates me because I'm saying that we have to look at that and it's always your fault. And (laughs) I have to say that there are some people who just did not understand that what a healthy relationship is. They didn't have the imprint. Mm. So they didn't have the fundamentals, you know, of that. No one taught them or they never saw that imprint. So there are people like that who just unfortunately were vulnerable at that time. And that's what happened. But generally, it's like, let's find out how you did not know what is going to be healthy, what's going to nourish you, what's going to allow you to grow. Or in, yeah, yeah, and there is an element that of that. And that's ultimately it, because we can't change a narcissist. What can we change is always back, right? So there is that, that question. Well, a narcissist generally doesn't know they're a narcissist, do they? So I mm. suppose uh, they have to want to change themselves. And I actually found myself having this conversation recently my advice to anyone stuck in a relationship with a narcissist is is, is genu- generally uh, genuinely get out. Yeah. Um, if you are continuously continuously returning through this this cycle of abuse, obviously different scales of abuse depending on the on the the, um, the two people involved. Why? You know, yeah. Why are you putting yourself through yeah. it? It's, um, yeah. you, and again, that's that. I think that's that's that want to change someone. Well, you you can't. You just can't change them. The best thing. Unless they're fully willing to accept responsibility, okay, you're right, actually, I, I have got a problem, 
I do need to do something about it. I do need to go and see Kartika and and discuss it. Uh, I I just I just think it's a real uh, it's a bad idea and it's a loop. It's a toxic mm. loop. That's definitely the me. advice. Uh, get out. Mm. There's no way. Um, by the time they actually feel they have to change or something, then they're not really considered like clinically a narcissist or anything like that. Anyways, mm. you know, uh, yeah, definitely it's better to get out and and leave. The pattern that we see, and we're talking just shadow work here, archetypal sense, is that you tend to have a rescuer who is going to be joining a narcissist because they're fulfilling this shadow role that I'm going to save you um, from the pain that you're in and causing everyone and the pain you're causing me. There's a kind of rescuer archetype that's leading the whole show subconsciously, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, not for everyone, of course, you know, and more clinically, we call that codependency or something like that. But the sense of worth is so tied into rescuing the other. Um, and so if we deal with that, usually they're like, wow, what was I thinking? It's yeah. Like immediately when the rescuer is out yeah. and usually it has to do with the past dynamic and they're just replaying it out because the subconscious unconscious are going to continue on into this present day whether you consciously remember this moment or not, something you haven't processed properly in the past. So the rescuer kicks in. This is the perfect, perfect project for me to make right what I didn't do back there. Yeah. In, yeah. You know, whenever that was, my mom, my dad, my brother, my ex-boyfriend, my ex-girlfriend, and do this here mm-hmm. with someone who I know will not change. No matter who tells me this, I will do this because this will give me that sense of um, reestablishing my sense of self-worth or whatever it can be. So the rescuer is a big role when we look at people who are with narcissists. Mm-hmm. And see them as a, a project. But of course, if you, if you look at Cartman's drama triangle, yeah. the, the rescuer <laughs> enters the, uh, the golden triangle of pain. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then at some point along the journey, it flips, yeah. the roles flip, and you've gone from being the rescuer of a victim or even a rescuer of a persecutor in that context yeah, to becoming their victim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I talk about this a lot. Yeah, it's fascinating. You have that also in the healing world, you know, people who want to be rescuers because they want to help people and they want to help whatever it was and so they want to help others, uh, coaches, healers, therapists and then it's a very thin line where they become narcissists actually and um, prey. It's a very thin line, that, mm-hmm. that line. So they're rescuing and then the ego kicks in and they do this. Mm. And that's where you have all kinds of, you know, unfortunate stories about people abusing their authority or power sexually, you know, emotionally, financially. Mm. No, that makes line. a lot of sense. It does. And sadly, we hear those stories a lot. In Bali? No, just in the healing world in general. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. For sure. That's a good one. What else is on the list? Um, afraid of being alone. So staying despite the issues in the relationship. Yeah. Hmm. Deep wound there. But I think that goes for any fear that we have, anything. Again, this is going to sound boring to everyone, but it's the same wounds that are from the subconscious unconscious. Well, basically, because everything you're saying uh, alludes to the fact that if you're experiencing any of these things, you have to do some work. <laughs> yeah, you know, ultimately, yeah. Actually, this is a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's why we're having the conversation. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it might sound boring because you don't want to hear uh, you, a yeah. professional tell you that you probably need to do some work, but you probably do. Yeah. That fear of being alone will drive everything in your life. How you take a job, how you settle into a contract with the employers, how you have relationships. If that's driving your life, I mean, if you look at the core drive of the energy of the, the fuel in our mind, if that's what's driving our life and we determine everything around that emptiness, the results of that, generally when I see clients like this, especially very successful men, 
multimillionaires, billionaires, they've done all of this. And it was driven by this lack of sense of emptiness or loneliness or low self sense, sense of worth. When that kind of thing drives life, it always ends up being unhealthy in the end. Mm. And it's unfortunate because these men are much older now and they've lost their family. They've lost their friends. They made a lot of money. And this is a pattern I see consistently and that that drives them to get overly, maybe you can say greedy or stingy or, or something like that. And um, they get to that point and they realize that this was, was what was driving them. Mm. Um, it's a distraction. Yeah, and as comp- compensation, you know, so to manage that. Uh, but of course, it's not for all of them. And that being said, um, the f- if you're driven by, let's say, mm, not just gratitude, by a sense of fulfillment, you know, presence and joy, I mean, the kind of energy you put out, the kind of things you tolerate, the kind of relationships you get into, jobs you'll take, changes everything, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't settle for a lot of things when that's there. Just now we had a session with someone who has deep sense of emptiness and that drives, and of course, very wealthy man, family and everything, and quite ill um, at this time. Same story, you know, it was a divorce when the father left the mom and him at three years old. He's a 40-year-old man, and that emptiness, the sadness, it's like a heaviness he felt in everything in life. Mm. But sure enough, has a lot of money, has everything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and so mm. releasing that will hopefully help adjust everything. Mm. Completely life-changing to I release that. Yeah. I, well, I should, I should add for the listeners that uh, at no point am I mocking people or are we even um, making light of people who are suffering from these er, 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 any of these issues? I, That's right. Th- th- and uh, I'm the first person to say that I can't possibly judge because part and parcel of what I do on this show every week is is usually f- admit to some shortcoming that I ha- that I've had in the past, oh, or even last week, if if needs be. So the the point is that y- it's okay to admit that you have these problems. And I, yeah. I think this probably stems back to the, the stigma of, of people admitting that they're having some mental health issues and the stigma of, uh, of being seen as weak, perhaps, yeah. emotionally weak, mentally weak, um, in a world where quite clearly we have so many pressures on us to, 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 to stay, stay and stand strong. Yeah. But the reality is all of this stuff on this list is like human traits isn't it well, yeah we all <laughs> no none of us are super we don't have the superpowers to just avoid all of no it. we've all got parts of us to heal exactly and that's why that's one of the main reasons we talk about this but mm-hmm. you know we're not we didn't all get off scot-free we've all got something in there that Absolutely. we need to work through and Absolutely. Yeah. just being aware of it that's the first step isn't it, it? Is. that is it and to actually it's very just normal it's mm. actually normal. This is all normal. The, the frustrations, the struggles, this is all normal. I mean, of course, if you're dealing with it every day and you're working with clients all the time, it becomes normal, but mm. we, it's actually very normal. It is. There is nothing at all. And I have to say, maybe before when I first started on my journey, maybe even before I was a hypnotherapist, I never even would have admitted that I had an issue. In fact, I had no idea that I had um, trapped anger. My very dear friend, uh, Luke Hancock, we were in Kyoto, and he was like, you know, Kartika, you may have an anger issue. This was, I was 19, I think. We're bicycling up, and he's like, you may have an anger issue because based on this one book I was reading, this signs, whatever, something, and I, I was like, I don't have a fucking anger issue? <laughs> Who the fuck? Like, I went all out. And he looked at me, and we're on the bike, and I was like, 
seriously, why the fuck? And I went all out. And so, and I remember looking back and I had no awareness that that was already a sign of it. Yeah, that's an, that's an anger issue right there. Right there. So, so anyways, of course, and I went to see my, one of my teachers and he became a longtime teacher and he looked at me and said, you have to go into your bones and heal your bones because this is mm. you know, and I mean, what do you do with that? I don't you mean go in my bones. But the point of that was more so because the anger was trapped there. To make a point of this is that when anyone would have told me this, I would be like, no way. Mm. Sure enough, fast forward 15 years. Gone. Wow. And, yeah. you know, it's incredible. Now it's just it's all normal. And it's not that it's okay to have painful experiences and all that, that it's all, yeah, this is fine, you're fine. Even suicidal ideation. But it's quite normal, you know. We, we really are under a lot of stress. Mm. When you're under a lot of stress, these things happen, you know. You feel lonely. You're driven by that. And, and of course... And this even goes for the narcissists, by the way. A lot of this stuff happens in the formative years. A lot, yeah. a lot of this. So a lot of these traumas occur when it definitely wasn't your fault. You know, you you might have been four, you might have been two, you might have been in the womb. Totally. Um, and and I, I, it's something I'm always quite keen for to, to point out. I was having a conversation about narcissists in particular on, on the the last episode, and and uh, the. The point I was trying to make was it might be difficult for you to feel for them, especially if you're a victim of narcissism. But just as an aside, do try to remember that they were a victim of something first. Yeah, it uh, doesn't make it all right, but but it but it might might actually help you process it because a lot of victims of narcissism and gaslighting and people who can't communicate in general you do find yourself questioning yourself that you? you do think what am i doing wrong I'm, re- I'm really trying to do this i'm trying to make this relationship work but i can't and you, so you find yourself questioning yourself well you know try not to do i think that's healthy but but don't lay the blame at y- your own door but then also try to remember that they were victims of something Yes. Perhaps it's neglect. Perhaps it's abuse. Yes. It's a big T or a little T, as, as, yeah. you, as mm-hmm. you said earlier on. Um, so, you know, in that regard, none of it's our well, none of it's our fault. Some of it is definitely not our fault. It's always our responsibility, but definitely we can't be accountable mm-hmm. for things under the years of seven, even onwards, you know? Yeah. Like some of the things that unfolded even during COVID, you know, this losing your job and all that, all that stuff that brings up a lot of things that are external events that took place, mm-hmm. you know, mm, out of your hands. That yeah. all that said, you, we do have a responsibility to fix it. Yes. Yeah. That, I think that's yeah, something that's we can all agree on. What's the last point of, uh, of the um, reason why people um, fall out? Relying on body language to convey feelings. Well, I mean, we're not mind readers, are we? <laughs> why not? <laughs> you know. I don't know. Can we talk about that for a moment? Because I'm really more about body language than always what's just being said. My, again, I'm going to, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. But like in Japan and in Asia, we look at body language to really identify what's being said. Mm. And we also rely on tonation, right, more than anything. So, um, yeah, and so I really look for body. But again, I'm doing that because I'm looking to see what's really being said. Mm. Oh, I'm fine, you know, and like the shrug is all good smile versus like I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, but of course you have to listen to the words too. I get that as well. I think I find that one a funny one. Yeah, relying on it. I suppose there's got to be a balance. You have to communicate yeah. your feelings. But I think it's so not obviously not everybody, but it's generally I find it easy to read the way someone says something or the way their body reacts as they say it. And you're like, okay, that what you just did does not align with what you just said. Doesn't match. Your energy doesn't match. Your none of it matches. But you have 
good awareness. And you're also a woman. Yeah, that's true. Yes. You're a woman with good awareness. Yeah, so you've got like the double intuition bonus. Yeah. Because um, I, 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 I think it's fair to say that a lot of this does come down to a lack of awareness, doesn't it? Uh, either self-awareness or uh, empathy or, or care or concern for, for others around them. Uh, and again, as I say, that's not necessarily deliberate. And I suppose if you're wrapped up in yourself and someone else is conveying something through body language, you're not going to notice, are you? Mm, yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I, I'm surprised that that's one of the top five reasons yeah. why people break down. I wonder why values is not on there, you know? Well, there's a whole list. The list goes on. There's lack of compromise, comparison, lack of balance, holding on to the past, taking out anger on the other one. Okay. So it's a, it's a big, exhaustive list. Totally, yeah. And communicate and lack of, or just poor communication is not on there. Yeah, I mean, we took this off quite a big list didn't we, we so did, we took the top we? five off there yeah um well, we did communicate about that actually we did i was <laughs> 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 having a really bad memory on that list is one of your partners having i've got you know i don't know what's going on with my I'm, i've had to start we're drinking um chicory infused with reishi lions no, it's reishi and chaga and then yeah. i put lion's mane in it for your little brain yeah my, my brain i don't mean little brain <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that guy in his fifties with it's really the tiny out today, isn't it? In the tiny brain. Yeah, I mean, you know, I do encourage you to say what you what you um, what you think. So yeah, I don't know what's going on. My brain's sort of leaking out my ears in some way. But then I have the balance because I've got patience. So I suppose you're forgetting things, and I'm patient. So it kind of you rem- it works. I, I forget things. You remember them. <laughs> Match made in heaven. Uh, I, I have a memory like an elephant. I don't forget anything, it's, which it's, isn't always great, is it? No, I will. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. So far, so good. It, it, it does work as a balance. I get that criticism from my partners, like w- when I'm with one of them. I don't do many. Eh? <laughs> all, uh, them. all at once. Um, yeah, they're like, how do you remember four months ago at that one dinner when I said, and I'm, I have really just... Like, I can really recall that sentence the way it was said with the body language. I can't believe you remembered that I said that. Well, I'm really sorry to show a mirror. But yes, uh, you did say that. Yeah, yeah. Hannah and I have been. Yeah. What's next? Um, I suppose we want to talk about how how um, the deathbed regrets actually fit into relationships and um, how when we looked at our death, because we've got the 10 deathbed regrets. Mm. and about Just explain that for the audience. So that, Oh, sorry, I should actually. You, you're better at that one than me. But we have the 10 deathbed regrets, which is actually what inspired Martin originally to start this podcast and to yeah. um, How Did I Happy? So the, will you talk about the deathbed regrets? It's your, uh, it's your jam. That's a fair point. Um, well, yeah, I was inspired by... Th- by these things because I, I, I part of my healing journey was realizing that I if I'd have if somebody had told me I was going to die three years ago I would have had a I would have had more than 10 deathbed regrets it would have been a, a ridiculously long list and so when I researched this and came across all the the, the deathbed regrets as I've said many times on this show they're, they're very sad yeah you no know, they're, they're, they're well there are 10 I was going to say there's a long list, but there are 10. And uh, it's things like, I wish I'd said I love you more. Yeah. I wish I'd had the courage to express my true feelings. You've got some more on there, I think. Yeah, so we've got, I think about 60% of them really related to relationships. So kind of almost looking at these, 
There's little, there's already little tools in here for like, okay, well maybe I start bringing these into my relationships yeah. already. But it's, um, yeah, I wish I dared to live more truthfully. And obviously we've talked about that a little bit, how mm-hmm. we're, not, we're not always open in, in our relationships to share our truth and what we're really feeling or what we want. Or, um, or truthful with ourselves, yeah. I think. And then there's, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I should have said I love you more. I wish I'd let go of grudges. I wish I'd left work at work and made time for my family. And I wish I'd been the better person in conflicts. Mm. Wow. And of course, mm. How to Die Happy is all about sharing stories and practical utilities for this. So so how are we going to fix all that then, Kartika? Mm. <laughs> in 10 <Wow>. minutes. <laughs> Actually, in 10 minutes. <laughs> Martin. <laughs> I think... It did occur to me that when we meet you again for another episode, we could we could actually drill into one of these per episode. That would be quite good. Yeah, that would work. I can prepare accordingly too. Hmm. Anyway, we can we're we're not there yet. We're yeah. doing this episode. But hearing this, I actually makes me feel like um, <clears throat> I need to say I love you to some people more and to mm. leave work at work. That's for sure the case. I still fundamentally see that it goes back to our own blocks and sabotaging behaviors that are all conscious or unconscious you know if we are balanced beings we wouldn't leave bring work home we would say i love you because we're in that present moment and we are feeling what we're feeling as we're thinking and perceiving and interacting with the world and we are being you know and that's really about not being under the in the trauma lens more so like being dysregulated you know you are actually now here so ultimately all comes back to being in that present healthy state, mm. um, nervous system, mind, body. Mm. I believe that would naturally all alleviate, you know, being yourself only happens in that moment mm. when you're not in a dysregulated state, when you're not still trying to process too many things from the past. So ultimately, we can say, I love you, but when you get stressed, you will forget to do that. You will go to your coping mechanisms. And so this is, yeah. I, I will always go back to saying, hey, let's release everything we can so we can be present because this will naturally emerge with humans um, if we look at the mind mm. and in harmonizing the mind, which is also the body. Mm, no, I think that's sound advice. I, and I suppose from a practical utility perspective, the, the most obvious go-to to be present is to breathe, yeah. meditate, mm-hmm. um, just to, to take those checkout moments. I, I'm. I've been working quite hard lately, haven't I? And I mean, I still, I'll, I'll still make a point of, of just taking that moment to say I love you, or to, yeah. uh, or even to observe myself working too hard. You know, I, I, I think if we've got to work hard, we've got to work hard. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's unavoidable, but if you can just stop what you're doing and observe yourself doing it, yeah, that in itself is is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe even having markers, you know, oh, here I go, I'm doing that thing that I know. Because you can't catch yourself as you go into the stress mode usually. It's only after, you know. And, oh, here we go again, I'm starting to lose my keys, if that's what the sign is, you know, when you misplace things and you're usually not like that. Or, oh, I think I may have just triggered something. (laughs) Did you? I'm just going to drink my tea again. You two been communicating (laughs) prior. (laughs) Maya. I can't find the keys. I'm, I, well, <laughs> in my defense, right, the house we're living in at the moment is three separate buildings. You know how that works in Bali Villas. Oh, yeah. Oh. We've got four buildings. We've got two sets of keys, and 
and all the doors have different keys. Like, I don't, is, is it a Bali thing? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, they're all the same doors, they're all the same house. Why don't we just have, like, one key? No. So I'm like a, I'm like a, uh, a, <laughs> a prison warden, <laughs> you know? Like, and so I've, got this, I've got five or six keys. And so now when I come, when I, as soon as I enter the, the, the residendas, the residendi, I have to unlock all the doors. <laughs> But then I can't find the damn key. I'm always losing the keys, aren't I? Oh. Yeah, never anyway. knows where the keys are. So we have one little pot, and we, we yeah. named that the key pot. Just always put your keys in the pot. Does he do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so when we try and leave the house, it's every time we leave the house, cracks me up. Me and the dogs just laugh, don't we? We're like, we get, to the, we get to the gate. Oh, where are the keys? Goes and gets the keys. Gets to the gate. Oh, where are the car keys? Goes to get the car keys. No, no, but where are the car keys? They're locked in one of the bloody rooms. Of course, you got to get so the keys. So then I have to the unlock the door. Exactly. And then it's, where's my wallet? Yeah. Oh, where's my glasses? That's locked in another room. Glasses are locked in one of the other rooms. I, I, I mean, it's exhausting for me. So <laughs> God, God knows what it's like for you and the dogs. You know, wow, we've been standing here for 45 minutes. Got a tan just waiting for the, for the guy with Alzheimer's. Anyhow, didn't trigger anything, that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so it's good to have those markers. <laughs> we can take another example if you want. You know, like when people forget to eat. I never yeah. forget to eat. I love my food. Okay, yeah, there you go. go. I forget to eat. There you go. So when you're getting into when you're getting into stress, usually some some people will just forget to eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can go all day, and people are like, "What do you mean?" Or you forget to go to the toilet. You know, and be like, oh, but that's just me being focused. Actually, when you're in tune and you're in harmony and you're in balance, you feel your body. Mm. You mm. are in tune with your body. You go to the toilet because your bladder feels a bit full. But when you're not and you're in that state of hyper, which is, yeah, some people will debate and say, that's fine, that's not. But if the body has to contain that kind of energy, it's not healthy and harmonious for the mind and the body. You can't really focus, actually. Mm. So the point is to look at those markers so we can avoid going down that hill and be as present as we can. Mm. Mm. I like the idea of present markers. Yeah. Um, uh, or, of course, you could just arrange an appointment with Kartika and she'll be able to help you out with some of those things. Yeah, if... Mm. Mm, okay, I will say it. <laughs> I was like, I'm hesitant to say that. One of the my job is to make sure we find out what's really going on. You know, people will come in with, I want to stop smoking, but the real issue is not smoking; it's something else. Mm. And same with relationship problems. You know, so um, I have taken a bit of a different. I've evolved a bit my practice to say, listen, I only have one session with you, or three, or five, depending on how many you go with. Let's really look at what we really need to look at. You know. If it's that, so I hope people, if they were ever wanting to, they want to actually see the the what they have to look at. Mm. Yeah. That's something you liked about what Kartika had to say on her website. Yeah, I think it? it was on your website. There's oh, a nice. quote that you say, and it's, um, I'll read it off here, actually. It says, um, it's very also very important for me to help resolve the issue as fast as possible because I do believe mm. that a better world starts with a healthier and happier individual. Yeah. And it's so nice and refreshing to have, you know, someone who... It's not about getting you every week for the next mm. 10 years of your life and we'll talk through things. You know, you want to get them in and, and heal and yeah. heal quick as you can. Yeah. My um, <clears throat> advisor was like, what do you mean you're going to have a business like this? I'm like, oh, this is your business advisor. Mm-hmm. You can't just get them in and heal them. And th- no, how are we going like, to make this is not money? smart. Totally. Mm. And I was like, no, no, no. My value is that there's so much suffering. And I remember when I was suffering and I didn't have first maybe the financials and the tools. And I did not like this, that you were going to benefit off of my suffering. Mm. That was really, and the irony of it all is I did speak to my advisor and it's been many years I've been doing this. I was like, see, 
there is no need to make people stay in that mentality in that it's actually it goes against my values anyways but um when you really know how to fix something like a car why would you take it i mean some people do do that for their business mm. but if you can help someone be happy i mean how quickly that spreads you know and that yeah. family in the car feels happy the way they get to everything is going to be way better and that's what i'm i'm looking for yeah well I notwithstanding really that, that the fact that you do that means that people like me refer lots of people to you and say you know literally one session changed my life mm. and and thank i think you, that's, thank you thank you yeah, I mean, no, you know, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and I have sent a few people your way for uh, for that reason. Actually, that le- that leads us on to a question. So, mm. uh, you may recall we have a segment on the show called "Be My Guest." Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, most of the time, people do record questions. Amazing. And we've got one for you. Amazing. Be my guest. Let's talk, my friend. Let's talk, my friend. This is not. Thank you, Dwayne. Hi, Kartika. This is Kate calling in from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm so excited that you're back for a second episode because I absolutely loved your first one Mm. to the point where I started looking up psychotherapists in my area to make an appointment. I was wondering if you had any recommendations for someone who is interested in psychotherapy as far as what to look for in a psychotherapist when they're weighing out options and what to expect for your first session as well as how to mentally prepare for your first session. Thanks so much. Bye. Wow. Thanks, Kate. Yeah, thank you. Now, psychotherapy or hypnotherapy or both? I think she she means... Probably both, but yep. I think I think probably leaning towards hypnotherapy because she would have heard us specifically discussing yep. the nuances between. Yeah, and also I did mention I, uh, the type of hypnotherapy I do involves psychotherapy, mm-hmm. so that can get confusing. But I'll speak to answer actually both. One of the first things you want to do is the person you're going to meet and work with to do this inner work, you really want to be able to connect with them. Forget credentials. And I'm saying that's important to make sure you have the foundation to start with. But if you go with only the one who has the most credentials and all of this, you will miss the person who's going to be able to unlock you in a way that you we, we really heal in relation. And a lot of the studies even show that if you do EMDR or CBT or these kinds of, you know, very um, commonly and uh, successful and effective techniques, they all have the same success rate. It's the therapist. It's the therapist usage and how they use these techniques that was going to be what was going to be the magic like element. So it's not so much a technique or the, the, the modality. It's the therapist. So find the one that you feel, all right, this person's got me. One of the first things I will, um, I will personally look for and always suggest for my clients to look for is someone who they feel they can be contained by. If this person, if you're talking about some kind of pain you went through and they're flinching and crying and they're not able to contain this, they're getting dysregulated, I would walk out. And I say this flat because you don't have a lot of time, maybe you don't have a lot of money, don't waste your energy there. If this person can contain the process that you're going to need to go through and still be present, not dissociate and detach. So there's a fine line of being too emotional and too cold right there, still staying in the human contact, you know, in that, in that space. That will be what heals us the most. This is why many people in Bali 
um, the healers, you know, they don't have formal education, but they do phenomenal work because of their capacity to be present in that moment of releasing. It's not the same as hypnotherapy and psychotherapy. We all have our different processes, but the therapist matters the most. How do you feel with them? I would say definitely start, you know, credentials do matter, but not to the point that they should be the make it, you know, make it, uh, sorry, win or lose kind of decision making. The feeling, how do they relate to the story or how do they respond to the stories that you're sharing, the topic? It can help definitely to find someone who's an expert or professional in the topic you want to address. For example, if someone wants to come in for eating disorders versus a uh, phobia of a frog, we're looking at totally different you know, elements here and processes. So it can help to have that. But still, even if you wanted to address frog phobia or eating disorders, the therapist matters there. And references, like what's the word of mouth going around about this person? That will be really key, really important, more than anything, more than advertising anything. So how would you advise someone who wasn't sure what they needed that is to say do i need a hypnotherapist do i need a psychotherapist do i need a counselor because hmm. it's or do i need a coach mm-hmm. it's quite a turgid generally space coaches now. and not counselors per se, okay not all but coaches and counselors will look to the future they don't look in the past so psychotherapy um some clinical psychologists and these things and hypnotherapy look at the past. So you have to see where you want to go. And if you want to build a future and have the conscious tools to go there, you need a coach or a counselor, these kinds of things to support you. But when it's time to go into the past, that's where these other ones come in. Mm. And even in hypnotherapy, we have hypnotherapy that is focused on the future. So good programming, good positive suggestions, fin- like financial abundance, health, all these things. That's a type of, it's called clinical hypnosis. It's you know, about an hour long versus regression or the kind of work um, I do going into the past to find out what's, you know, happened there to release it so we can be more present now. Mm. So even within there, there's nuance. I mean, things we have to look at. Yeah. And for the listeners who haven't listened to the uh, first episode that Kartika did with us, which was episode five, that was very much discussing hypnotherapy and my experience of hypnotherapy mm. with you. And that, yeah. was, that was all about regression, wasn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> but not to repeat the episode, but... I originally went to Kartika to believing I was fully healed. <laughs> everything's fine. I've done ayahuasca and uh, some yoga. Everything's good. And uh, I wanted to access a memory for a book I was writing. And wowzers, trousers, we opened a can of worms in a good way. Because then you, uh, well, we put the worms back in as well, didn't we? So that was very much regression. Um, so yeah. that's probably the point of difference. So, so I suppose the other the other response to Kate is, what do you feel that you? Or you tell me, I'm not sure, but what do you feel that you need to address? Mm-hmm. With okay, I'm going to speak only for my type of hypnotherapy. Really, don't bother coming to see us unless you have an actual problem. If you're looking to just explore, and so some people come and say, "Hey, I want to do a past life regression." Uh, that's great if you want to find out what you were in your past life, but what is it going to do for you? Mm. Is it going to enhance your life right now? Because that's, I mean, if you want to spend the time and the money, fine to explore who you are, but what would that give you? And I say this because people will do that in a sense of desire to understand who they are, but also if it's driven by ego, you're just going to continue to 
maybe even recreate a scene that may not have happened because your ego wants to have a story or something to hold on to. So I'm all about, listen, I don't do past lives unless there's a reason we have to go to that past life or mm. find out what happened here. Mm-hmm. Let's use an issue, open that up. This is an opportune time in hypnosis to do this kind of work. Find out what's the issue, and then so that we need a problem. It's like, oh, I want to try it. Nope, sorry, don't mm-hmm. open anything. Just leave it as it is. We don't have to do any digging. Do, yeah, just leave it as it is until something comes up, and that something should be some um, element, problem, issue that you find you cannot resolve with just conscious willpower or knowledge. So you know you should stop eating chocolate because you're diabetic, but you cannot help it. You cannot. You know that your husband or your wife is not cheating on you, but you feel incredible jealousy every time they leave. But you know they're not cheating on you. This is the kind of time when, hey, time to go to the subconscious unconscious. Mm. So if conscious knowledge and conscious willpower is not helping you here, subconscious unconscious time. Mm. That's when it's good to see a hypnotherapist. Otherwise, you know, or in the way I do it. Now, if you want clinical hypnosis to get good programs in, absolutely. Plenty online you can find. Download them, listen to those audios you're highly suggestible in hypnosis and that puts in the good programming that you may not have received from parents, friends, business advisors, whatever about abundance and health. That's great. But for this kind of work, don't touch it until you have to deal with it. Mm, that's good advice. Yeah, very. Yeah. And, I su- yeah. I, and I suppose that plays back to the, uh, the list of reasons why relationships uh, break down, doesn't it? Y- you will be aware that these problems are happening, won't you? Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, some, somebody in that partnership hopefully would be aware, I guess. So yeah. it's, it's whether or not you've got a healthy enough relationship to, for one of those people to say, you know what, this is happening a lot. So is it me? Is it you? Is it us? You know, and yeah. then perhaps there's a conversation to be had there. But I suppose my, what I'll throw into that is, is what I realized was that the, the, for a long time, I was blaming everyone else for all of these things, these relationship problems. It was never my fault. And when I finally realized, uh, as I sort of, you know, observed the battlefield and saw, and saw the trail of destruction uh, around me, f- and, and metaphorically speaking, over years, there was only one conclusion I could come to, and that was, oh, I'm the common denominator here. But, but I, I certainly don't suggest that you leave it as long as I did, if you can avoid it, just to try and help people cut corners. Because uh, I, I spent far too much of my life not accepting responsibility for my actions. And I suspect, had I uh, realized at some point sooner, then I, I could have caused a lot of people, including myself, some heartache. So, But could you have actually realized it any sooner? No, probably yeah. not. I, s- I mean, even if everyone had told you, you wouldn't hear it, right? Nobody, uh, l- some people, plenty of people did tell me, and, uh, and I, they couldn't tell me at the same time. I didn't mm. want to listen. And it's, uh, that's, there lies the, the, um, uh, uh, the paradox. Right. On the one hand, you know, oh, please, I, I, w- I want you to tell me if I'm doing this wrong. Okay, I just did. No, I don't want you to tell me. <laughs> yeah, I don't like what you're telling me. <laughs> I can't hear it. Got my headphones on, listening to the How to Die Happy podcast. Can't hear you. Yeah, Everything happens at the right time. And when you're ready to deal with it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Can't be mm-hmm. any sooner. Mm-hmm. That's true. But then at the same time, what are your collective feelings then about what we're doing here? You know, like uh, trying to trying to plant seeds. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, is is that not 
offering the opportunity to shave a few corners. Yeah, well, of course. So you, this is the same thing with any, I mean, anyone, actually. You, you say something, it just could be the seed planted. And then, of course, it can grow if we nourish that seed over and over and over and over, even if we're irritating and annoying, but it gets there. I agree with you. But the real moment of change in one's life, that really is a specific time. Mm. Usually it's, I am so tired of this now. I'm tired of the story I'm doing. That's really only when it will change. Or, I mentioned this in the first podcast, so there's a massive change in our life, like a death or loss or something that will um, forcefully rip open everything mm. that will create, like COVID will do that, for example. Mm -hmm. That is usually going to come from our inner sense of, I am so tired now. Mm -hmm. This is too much. Or external. Yeah, well, that's, we need that. That's a great point. And, and so I suppose... And that's when the seeds are useful. Oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. And yeah. Remember and that. another thing, yeah. Well, I, and, no, I think you make a, a, a great point. Because, of course, for me, it was when my mum died. That was, mm. that was what tore it open for me. And I suppose if, if people can have that awareness at least... I think it's uh, what you said about being f absolutely tired of it. That was yeah. something I can resonate with. I was exhausting myself yeah. with my own behavior. Yes. And uh, so I suppose, that again, there is, there is that, that aspect of awareness, uh, even if it's after a long, long road of, of self-harm, emotionally speaking. Mm-hmm. Well, we could talk about this for 10 hours. Again, <laughs> we, we really could, actually. I could. I could. Yeah, Baraka <laughs> to deliver some vegan pizza. <gasps> Don't say that. I can do it. Nice. <laughs> well, that's why I'm hoping you're going to come back again. I'd be so happy to. Do we have anything that we want to talk to the Kartika about before we say bye bye? Well, I mean, I think the only other thing we wanted to point out was, you know, none of us are taught how to do relationships. You know, we... We only have whoever our carer is or our role models as children. That's where we learn. Yeah. So if that's a relationship we don't want, we don't have. We haven't been taught the skill sets to to choose and change that relationship and create a relationship that we want. And just in general, mm. there's no relationship training. And I I fundamentally believe that a relationship is a skill set, and we have to work at them. And you know we need knowledge and we need help yeah. and advice and input. We can't, yeah. I don't think it's necessarily something we're supposed to do alone. And I know it doesn't sound so fun because we know we have these maybe imprints too of the, you know, the, like the princess and the charming, I was going to say in French, of course, white knight on his white horse mm -hmm. and the whole thing. But um, it's just like a business. It's just like learning something at school. We actually have to learn. We have to sit down and read those books or knowledge and have the teachers to go through that because we would do that for a vacation you know mm. we go on a vacation you look at the hotels you get reviews you know you find out which areas I mean why would we not do that when we're going to construct like an experience of our life with our intimate partner mm. you know and to not have that and the frustration that people feel thinking is them but it's actually not we don't have the tools we don't get taught this and never mind societal um, standards, you know, like some of the older ways that work now don't work. No. They're still being taught. So you really have to do that all ourselves yeah. every time. Do you think Do you think it's getting better? Do you think that, that actually the education is improving for people in, in mental health? Or do you think it's actually we're moving away from that, further away from that with more digital distractions and... Um, you know, this sort of hacking 
the idea of, of, of life hacking. Yeah. Is it okay if I say both? Yeah. <laughs> because the am- amazing thing about the internet is we can get everything, you know? I mean, YouTube and mental health and all of this, it's all accessible. It's amazing. You know, people, yeah, some of my clients found another teacher of mine and it changed their life because now they understand trauma healing and all that stuff because of one YouTube video. Yeah. And it helped them understand that. And then, of course, with everything, just like food, just like, again, it's not comparable in terms of, but with like guns and money, knowledge is the same, right? It can Mm. go both ways. It's used and abused or um, you can use it for the good reasons. True. Or I suppose misused in as much as, we might, because we have this this new generation who's interested in life hacking. Yeah, I've I've worked that out. I've watched a forty five minute YouTube video on it. I'm healed. <laughs> I understand. Uh, I understand that trait now. It's fine. On to the next one. Mm. I, but I suppose, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I we are incredibly what a what a fascinating and amazing time for us to be alive. Yeah. It's interesting to to witness this huge ocean uh, endless ocean of content that so offers amazing. all of these healing opportunities for people and this information is phenomenal isn't it i mean i didn't have it in the in the 80s right um, and least said 60s <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing yeah the hacking part is quite interesting you know the auric ring people have these rings they you know the um, i've heard of that yeah they measures everything your biometrics and everything all that stuff um and so they'll come in these are the types of uh, clients who are in their 20, early 20s to 28, they love this stuff. They love it. They love to make sure it's working, the stats and everything, which is great. Um, but they're also the ones who were like, I want this done now. Yes, you know? exactly. My, oof, so one of my uh, teachers calls it the microwave generation. Uh-huh. You have to boil hot water back in the day and you have to be patient. Mm. You learn that. Now it's push a button, three seconds, done, you know? Yeah. So they come in and they're like, yeah, I want this done now. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how healing works. So as much as you love all of this stuff, still, you're still a human with a mind and a process that has to be engaged in. So as much as you want to do this, no. Yeah. Um, And of course, I still like to say, you know, we like to speed it up, but three hours, we can't do it. And no, no, the mind works in a certain way. And this we haven't hacked fully yet this is there's still a process but yeah so they wear these rings and they they observe it after the session i actually love it it's really quite fun um they see the changes from the hypnotherapy or the stuff that they do here and it's super fun and it's only these guys i actually thought about i'm like these guys are the ones who want to know that this is helping Mm -hmm. if it's not results yeah so they can see their heart rate the baseline go down um yeah this is fascinating Never in the older generation would this have ever happened. <laughs> like, I'm going to test if this actually works so I can invest and hack into another system to help my healing, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, don't get me wrong. That's what I actually uh, I love about the concept of biohacking. And, and of course, there are huge uh, evolutions ha- occurring in biohacking now, aren't there? And that the Istana, which is a, what do you call it? A retreat and spa in Uluwatu, near where we live. They, they have a, a load of biohacking yeah. opportunities, don't they? Totally. So people, because people want to heal, don't they? Yeah. You know, and that's really great to see. It's yeah. really positive. Yeah, it is. I hope we just do it properly in a deeply deeper way as opposed to for the goal. Because mm-hmm. we have a goal, but the process is so important to heal. Mm. The actual process to get to that goal. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. like everything in life, it's the it's not just about the destination; it's the journey, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's about being present, as you said. So, yeah. Anyway, I start sparked up <laughs> another too, conversation. I'm so, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry that we talk on this podcast. <laughs> oh, gosh, 
<laughs> Who would have thought it? <laughs> Just for, for the record, listeners, by the way, um, if you have managed to stay with us for a uh, little over an hour, the reason why I'm so conscious of our time these days is because, because we're, we're, we're being encouraged statistically to try and keep our, our podcast a little bit shorter. But you know what? Send us a message if you think that's nonsense. If you would rather hear us uh, talking for an hour and 45 minutes, let us know. Because if you don't communicate, then we will have to assume. And, uh, read your body language. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now we have video. You can read my body language. So I suppose there is that. But uh, And then the expectations won't be met. We won't be on the same page. Exactly. Well, we won't have the same goals, will we? Amazing. I love it. Thanks, Kartika. <laughs> Lovely to speak to you again. Thank you, Martin. Thank you so much for having me back. Thank you so much, Kartika. We'll see you soon.